It's Song Talk Radio. Welcome to Song Talk Radio and Happy New Year to all our listeners. It's now 2023 and this is still the show with songwriters talking to other songwriters about the craft of songwriting. We share tips, tools, and techniques and together we all become better at writing songs. I'm your host Neil Modi and with me my co-host Phil Emery. Happy New Year Phil, how are you? Happy New Year, I'm doing fantastic here in St. John's, Newfoundland. It's uh, actually some snow on the ground. We've had a very had a very green winter uh, Christmas and holiday season. So <laughs> green Christmas. <laughs> okay, excellent. Yeah, we've had rain here lately. It's been yeah. mild. And uh, meantime, please send your comments, questions, weather reports, anything else you think of to at Song Talk Radio on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Feedback at songtalk.ca for the email, and we'll share your thoughts on the show. And uh, please visit songtalk.ca to see the show post for this episode and to find links to resources and other things that uh, we mention. And uh, tonight is just uh, in the in the family, brothers from different mothers in the, in the room today. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, so there's certainly no guests uh, tonight, but we're just uh, here to here to launch the new year in a soft way, <laughs> get us rolling into 2023. And of course, the uh, you know the the one one of the things we're looking forward to uh, over the next uh, couple of months is going to be our next songwriting challenge. And uh, of course, we've enjoyed it over the last few years, and we really enjoyed the fact that our listeners have been contributing and taking part and sending us their answers to our songwriting challenges. So. We were so great. Do it again this year. And uh, this year, of course, if you've been uh, on the podcast for the last uh, little while, you know that we're going to be uh, talking about modes. And the challenge is going to be to write a song in a mode that you don't normally write in or an unusual mode. Um, however, um, you like to do that. And it's just, uh, it's just a way to explore a little bit of music theory that uh, we're guessing a lot of our listeners are not you know intimately familiar with. And hopefully we can put some... You know, help helped you put some intention behind uh, writing yes. um, in a mode because, um, like, like we've been saying, like most of us have done it by accident from time to time, but to actually do it deliberately maybe puts another puts another tool into your toolbox for the for the new year. It's hard to um, it's hard to make use of that kind of a tool because at first you're going to be a little bit sort of awkward with it. And I think as songwriters, we tend to sort of do what feels natural and what we've already known how to do. So it's hard to, hard to do something like that because I think if you, if you try writing in a mode, you're not used to writing in a mode, you'll kind of work for a bit and then you'll go, Oh, this is too hard. And then you'll kind of abandon it. Having a challenge will kind of force you to complete it. And again, it won't be a great, may not be the best song you've ever written, but you'll learn a lot at the end. That's a really good point because it's something that, you know, especially with something like this, that's very theoretical. Yeah. Or can be very theoretical. And and you go into it going, oh, this is this is way too cerebral. I keep, I'm thinking too much about this. But you're right. When you're presented with the challenge, you have to finish it. Yes. And, and 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 see it through to completion, and and that, that and that's actually one of the attractions about about challenges of any kind, um, you know, that we've done over the years, or, or that other people have, have put out, is that you 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 actually see something through to the end, um, yeah. which you know you know a lot of us have a lot of us have challenges starting songs. I always have a challenge starting a song. I never have a challenge finishing a song. I know you got you're, you're the opposite, Phil. You go you can always oh, start yeah. a song, but you can never finish them. <laughs> 
I have I have so many songs started. It's I think maybe a hundred in my um in my folder. It's a ter- <laughs> it's a terrible thing because well, you know not not finishing something in some ways is it makes it almost not worth starting because you're just kind of flapping about. But um yeah. you know, not having a True. not having um not having a deadline helps. Neil, I have just had a th- question for you. Okay. Over the holidays, did you buy yourself any musical stuff, any musical toys? Over the holidays, no, because um, I was out of town for most of the holidays, so we were enjoying oh. a little time away and <laughs> didn't spend a lot of time um, in, in the studio. But uh, but certainly when uh, last week or so, I discovered a new um, a new toy for my studio. What toy is that? So um, I, I wasn't even necessarily looking for this, but I just happened to see it on on social media or something. It was a sponsored post. I never click on sponsored posts, but it seemed intriguing because it's essentially a plugin or, or a piece of software uh, called Dreamtonic Synthesizer V, and it basically it's a virtual singer, and you feed it. Uh, your MIDI, your melody um, as a MIDI track, and you feed it your lyrics, and it sings for you. And, um, that is so cool. And, 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 it's, and, and it sounds pretty natural. I mean, you do have to put some work into um, sort of dynamics and, and making sure that, you know, notes that swell, swell, because by default, it's not going to do any of this. You know, it's not going to, you know, put words that have a little less tension, a little more aggressiveness, a little more mm-hmm. whatever. So you got to, you know, bring that level of the emotion to the song. But luckily, the software has settings for all of this stuff and you can automate it all and you can be as detailed as you want with it and and really bring, you know, a, a performance um, uh, together. You can even adjust the timing if something seems too perfectly timed because obviously it's a computer oh, thing. right yeah <laughs> right so there's all there's all there's all sorts of things you can do to to sort of quote unquote humanize it but uh you know but the voices are are pretty amazing they do have you know you, you buy the software package then you have to buy each voice bank separately hmm. so there are and there's a japanese company so a lot of the voices are are asian they're chinese or they're korean or they're japanese um there are a few english ones but i think i think even the even the asian voice uh, banks, they also have English versions of those. It's just, I guess they're accented with like a, a Japanese accent, singing, a Japanese singer singing in English, so it might have a bit That'd of an accent. kind of cool, actually. <laughs> Which is kind of neat. And and and, and I'll, I'll be honest, since I bought this thing and since I uploaded a song to my YouTube channel, I've been seeing all sorts of people uh, doing cover songs with this software. There was one oh, that cool. you probably like this one, Phil. There was, there was, one, there was one person who uploaded uh, Yazoo. Um, only oh, you. wow. That's, that song from the 80s had, 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 had this software singing. It's pretty good, actually. It's not bad. <laughs> um, another one another one I saw that tried to do um, Do You Hear the People Sing from Les Mis with like seven different voices. <laughs> Holy smokes. So you, which was, which was pretty cool. So you type in the, the, you type in the word you wanted to sing. Yeah, you basically type in your lyrics. You can literally copy and paste your lyrics. Like I do, I, when I did, I did it like sort of phrase by phrase. And then you can, then there, there, there's certain, you know, syntax things you can do to make a note, uh, a syllable span over multiple notes. Or, right. You know, insert a breath or whatever. There's all these little tools for, for doing these things um, and, and, and that, that sort of thing. So you can, you can do 
basically anything, legato it, staccato it, whatever you want to do. <laughs> That's cool. Is it expensive? Uh, it wasn't too too bad. It was like uh, I think the bundle I got with one of the one of the female English voices and the software was like 150 bucks um, US. That's not bad. And so, which is not not too bad considering you know we we've, we've talked on the show whenever we talk about home recording and stuff where you you don't need another plugin. Yes. And, you know, especially when you've got a plethora of stuff already. Last thing I need is another EQ, another compressor, another yeah. saturation plug. My God, I've got so many of them, right? But this is literally something I have nothing, nothing like this, anything close to this. I have yeah. some choir plugins that do oohs and ahs and things, but nothing that does quite anything like this. And and since then, I have learned that there are other softwares out there that do this. There's one called Mvoice. There's one. There's a couple of other companies that that have been that have been doing this sort of AI driven sample based, um, you know, hmm. virtual singer thing. And quite frankly, I think I, I still feel like the one that I that I got is the best of the bunch. Like it sounds the most natural. Nice. The, the other ones yeah. seem to be very much tied to like electronic music. So oh, I see. You have that sort of auto tune quality to them from right. the samples that I heard and stuff. With this one, this one you can do that if you want, but you've got you've got the manipulation and the and and the detailed editor in it that you can kind of do anything. And you know, vibrato, you can customize the vibrato for each individual note if you want to. It's like it's you know you can go really really fine tune on this thing. That's really cool. Are you able to change the timbre of the voice like make it less husky or more husky type yeah thing, you or? can there is this slider and, and it's an automation thing as well called tension that makes like when you increase attention it sounds more sort of nasally more head voice oh and then if you slide it the other way then it becomes a little bit mellower a little bit chest voice um kind of thing um, very cool and um and and as well there's like a breathiness thing so you can make a, a voice breathier or less breathy um and even even to the level of the of the individual phenomes, so you know if you've got say say your name Emery, you got M, Er, and E, and you can right. you can adjust the 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 duration and the emphasis of each of those individual little syllables or little oh, little wow. phenomes they call them right. So you so if 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 the if the singer's hitting the T a little too hard. Or the R a little too hard, you can just, you can just reduce it, no problem, <laughs> and then they'll oh, then they'll fun. focus more on the vowels, right? It's like you can you can like the detail level of this thing is ridiculous. Like I, I went through it and, and, and a little two minute song that I wrote um, just before the holidays, my, my holiday song for the year, very quick and dirty, and and I went through it and, I'm, and and I kept thinking to myself, my God, you could spend literally hours like just oh, yeah. taking every single little phrase. Like I went through it like fairly quickly but even then i spent some time on it it's all the things that you that you take for granted if you have if you if you sing or if you record a singer and all, all the nuances and things that they're doing you have to dial all that in manually <laughs> yeah it makes right? you really appreciate and, and, what and, 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 and it does make you appreciate all the things that you take for granted that singers do yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's it probably is easier to get a vocalist in your home studio if you know of one, but not everyone does. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, this is this was this was easy for me. I mean, yeah, bucks for it, but then I could just do it in my spare time with my headphones on and kind of, you know, and 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 just do instead of bringing someone here and setting them up and micing them and yeah, no, it's then, true. Oh, can you sing it like this instead? Can you sing it like that instead? That instead yeah, that sort of thing or. 
you know, and really the impetus for this was I, I did my holiday song before the holidays, very quick and dirty. And I, I wanted to do it. I wanted to get it out on my before. YouTube channel, at least, yeah. whatever, before we went away for the holidays. Right. So I did it in like two days. I wrote the thing and recorded it in like two days. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, was, I wasn't I wasn't entirely happy with my vocal performance. So I finally had a better singer to do this for me. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> hey, that's really fun. Good vocal plug plugins like that are expensive. I know um, I was looking for a a plugin that would just do oohs and ahs, like a few people standing around a microphone going ooh. And there's lots, there's tons and tons of choir um, yeah. plugins, and there's very few that actually just have like two or three people around a microphone. I'm not sure if that's a rights or a royalty issue or what it is, but there is a, there's a couple of ones I found, but they were like $200. Mm -hmm. And at a, when you're doing stuff for a hobby, you start going, well, you know, yeah. is this for a background thing? Do I really need it? So I was actually able to throw something together from an old sampler uh, disc I had for my old emu sampler. And they actually right, had right. emu like people doing that. So that sounded okay. So, but yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was just about to say that, that probably sample packs would be the better way to go for that sort of vocal. Because like you say, like a choir vocal, like there's lots, I have one that's really good actually. Yeah. Um, but, 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 but it is very choir-ish. It's very classical choir. It's not Motown. It's not, no, yeah, <laughs> you know, which is what I was that, looking that, for, that kind yeah. of flavor. But, but there's lots of sample packs that do that stuff and you got to drop them in, you got to tune them and yeah. uh, whatever. And you can, you can even, you know, develop your own harmonies and things like that. Um, but it's, yeah, you gotta, you gotta put in the legwork on that yeah. as opposed to just a nice plugin where you can just play a chord on your keyboard and boom. <laughs> How well does it do the ooze in Oz? Uh, the, the, the one that I got? Yeah. Uh, I haven't actually tried ooze in Oz, but it, you know, but if it pronounces vowels, okay, then, you know, it, it could probably do ooze and Oz just as, just as well. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And again, you can you can go in and, and adjust the phenomes if it's not to your particular liking. Like, you know, you can put a little it's more H cool. in it, put a little less H in it, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. And and, and the other thing about, the, like, this, the, this is like an AI-driven, you know, you think it's a heavy-duty plugin, but it's actually, it loads up, like the standalone version, loads up faster than, like, Microsoft Word. It loads up faster than really? you know photo editing program. It loads up way faster than my Cakewalk DAW program. It loads up like so fast. And when you adjust something, it adjusts the waveforms like almost in real time. It just takes like half a second. It's very, it's mm. a pretty efficient software. Like it's very, very low on the CPU and everything. So considering how powerful it is, it seems That's to amazing. <laughs> it seems to run pretty quick. Huh. Well, there you go. So I guess it means that uh, Facebook advertising works. I guess so. I mean, you, you know what? I mean, this thing, this, this this thought occurred to me like years ago. Like everyone's like, everyone's all crazy about like they're you know spying on me and they're tracking all my data and stuff like that. But since then, I've received advertising that's actually relevant to me. I'm the same way. I mean, I work in you know marketing. Like, you know, I, I don't mind it. Like they they send me stuff that I'm actually going to buy, not stuff that's completely irrelevant. If there is something irrelevant, you can actually turn it off. Yeah, and say I don't want to see this ad anymore, and. That, and that's pretty much it. I'm the same way. I work in marketing and, you know, having people know the stuff I want to buy, that it's great because I want to buy more stuff like what I want to buy. 
Sure, people can show me more uh, ads on guitars and and basses and stuff. That's awesome. Ooh. That's what when you buy a magazine, it's filled with ads for stuff you usually want to buy. If you buy Guitar Player magazine or Future Music magazine or whatever yeah. whatever is left of the magazine world, they're filled with product specific ads. So why not? Why not? I don't mind it. Yeah, yeah, sure. They're they're tracking me, and they they algorithms probably know more about my preferences and things that even I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have friends who are worried about that. I always tell them, look, we lost the privacy wars decades ago. It's it's done. <laughs> it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Still waiting for the minority report thing where you walk into a store and they scan your eyes. Yeah, that's and, true. <laughs> and then start just sending you ads. <laughs> the thing that I bought myself over the holidays is... Mm -hmm. There's a service called Plugin Alliance, and they uh, market oh, yeah. a whole bunch of different uh, plugins. And then they yep. had a um, a subscription, like it's nine dollars a month or something, mm -hmm. and you get to use basically all their plugins. Yes. And um, you know they have quite a few. And I figured, well, I'd give it a shot. I actually had bought a couple of the ones off uh, Plugin Alliance; they were quite good. Mm -hmm. And it's actually worked out very well because because I can try all of them. I will. I didn't load them all because, of course, there's you know hundreds. Hmm. But um, I've tried stuff that I normally wouldn't have bothered purchasing because hmm. you're going well. You know, I don't really need it, or I don't really know what it does, or um, and it's been really good. I've found a whole bunch of new plugins that have been very useful. But the one I wanted to hmm. tell people who happen to be doing um, home recording and you know it's important when you're mixing to get to a final mix is that you have a reference track. And usually that's a track mm. that is somewhat the same in tone or in style as what you're working on. And that'll help you get your uh, the sound of in the levels of your bass and your drums and guitars and what have you. And there's this plugin that I just love. It's amazing. It's called, um, I don't even know how you pronounce this name. It's ADPTR. So I'm not sure if it's Adapter or Adapter Audio. Adapter. Oh, yeah. I think I feel like I've seen that somewhere. Yeah. It's yeah. called Metric AB. And um, it allows you to put on your on your mix bus, and then you can load up a whole bunch of different uh, reference tracks. It'll match all the tracks to the same volume as um, your uh, your your mix master, like your your you know your, your the track that you're working on. And it also has these amazing things. It has a, um, a spectrum, so you can sort of see how your reference track is reflected in frequency at the same time as your track. So you can sort of see, oh, I like the sound of this, but wow, you know, my high end was like much, much higher than my, my reference track. And um, the little things like that, it gives you the spectrum. It gives you uh, how the phase sits, you know, in comparison to your reference track. And another great thing is that it allows you to just sort of listen to the low end of your mix mm. and and to the low end of the reference mix. And you can mm. A, B between them with a click of a button, which is quite nice. nice. And also with like the mid-range and then the high range and mm. uh, the high end. So it allows you to, to sort of listen to things in isolation. And it's really great. Yeah, that, sound, that, sounds, very, that sounds very handy. It seems like a lot of these plugins... Nowadays, they especially when you've got a lot of stuff already, and you yeah. say, like you say, it's not something I really need, right? But it just, it just does what you could already have done, but just makes it easier to do. Yes, exactly. 
Right. Well, you could have, you could easily have done all this stuff with soloing tracks and and putting which is what I've done you know, before and putting band filters on everything and sort yeah. of doing it all manually. But this, if you could just do it with a click of a button, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I I find I'm a being a lot more. Yeah, and you'll use it a lot more. So it's not cheap. It's one hundred ninety nine dollars um, US. But mm. if you with a bundle I have at the end of the year, you get to choose four. Okay. Plugins to keep. You still get to use them all, but I guess you get licensed for. So this will definitely be one of the ones that I um, that I keep because it's been. I use this all the time. It's been really good. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That, that... Plugin-alliance.com. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll put a link to that in the in the show post because um, yeah, I have a few Plugin Alliance plugins. I feel like they're ones I just happen to get for free. From, yeah. Like, Black Friday deals or holiday gifts or whatever, um, but I, I think I've, I feel like I've spent a few bucks on Plugin Alliance at some point or another. But yeah, they're, they have some good stuff. And they're if you sign up stuff. with them, they're always giving you like twenty five dollars off or fifty dollars off or. No, I'm uh, sure. Yeah. You know, like literally yeah. every week you're getting something. So. <laughs> a very handy cool. tool. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Alrighty. Um, yeah. So one one of the things that I've been excited about the last week or so is that Peter Gabriel <laughs> is releasing a new album. He hasn't released an album since two thousand two of, of original. Wow. He's done some other musical projects, but it's been it's been like twenty years. Um, and he put he put the, he's put his first track on Bandcamp of all places, which which surprised me a little bit because I thought Bandcamp was like more for indie artists. Or whatever. Yeah. Like I don't really see. Although, although Tears for Fears, when they released their album last year, I'm pretty sure I bought their album on on Bandcamp. I wonder if they're doing that as a way of getting around label royalties or something. I don't know. It's still. I mean, the Peter Gabriel track. It still says by Real World, Real World Studio, Real World Studios, or whatever it's called. Yeah, well, that's it's, well. That's his, his label. So that 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 is his label. So. I guess it's different with him because he's he owns his own label, but um, mm. yeah. But it, but it really got me thinking about this whole nostalgia factor that's that's been mm. taking place over. I mean, it's been like years now that like everything, like a lot of the music that I like tends to harken back to the eighties or the nineties yeah. or whatever, and 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 even especially in in TV and film, like in whatever Hollywood's cranking out these days tends to be a remake or a. Or has it been going yeah. years? Like a remake or or a, a thing like a, a sequel or a, or re, a reboot or whatever of all these old 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 franchises. And I don't know if if um, you know we just happen to be the target age that all the stuff that we grew up there. There's people in, in in positions where they can make the content now, and they're like, we don't have anything new to offer. Let's just go back and redo Karate Kid because why not? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's true. Well, of course, that's because it's also there's less of a chance of it flubbing because you know it worked once. Although, yeah. I don't know many reboots that have been better than the original, but I could be wrong. Hmm. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of one offhand. I can think of a bunch of ones that are worse. But yeah. <laughs> now, how is the Peter Gabriel track? Ah, uh, it's, it's pretty good. It, it sounds like something he would have done in the nineties. Um. <laughs> You know, and he's got he's got his dream team uh, band. He's got Tony Levin on bass. He's got David Rhodes on guitar, and he's got Manu Kache, who's incredible drummer. Yeah. Um, on I mean, those, those guys are all. I mean, Tony Levin's not the slow chat. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but he's he's got his he's got his dream team from the from the nineties playing on the track again. So the production wise and everything, and of course Brian Eno's on there playing some synthesizer electronic stuff. Oh, cool. And, um, 
Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a pretty good track. He's got, I don't know, he, he tried, he explained in his Bandcamp description what the lyric is based on. It's like these, it's like these, um, uh, I don't know if they're activist groups or whatever, but like some kind of, the whole thing is about, is about climate change essentially and how we're killing the planet. Mm-hmm. But he's sort of tied that into, into how the planet gives us data and there's, there's enormous amounts of data. Something, something about data and climate. <laughs> pulling, pulling okay. together. So, you know, you can always leave it to Peter Gabriel to over-intellectualize something. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. But, I'm, but if I find myself excited for that, I was really excited for last year's, when Tears for Fears dropped an album. That was like my favorite album last year. It was incredible. It was yeah, really, well, that really was... a solid album. Yeah. And that's always the danger sometimes is, I don't know, if sometimes there'll be like a reboot or... You know, they'll, they'll bring back an old series that you loved and like, it's almost never good. Mm-hmm. Like it's never, mostly it's just like, oh, don't do that. It was, you know, but you know, the fact that, I mean, the that Tears for Fears was so strong. That was amazing. I don't know many bands that have made a comeback and had that kind of quality. Mm-hmm. Maybe there has, but I'm not aware of them, you know. Yeah, quite possible. But and, and to be honest, I was never a huge Tear for Fears fan. I always had like the I always had the greatest hit C D. I never had yeah. I never had a copy of the the big what was it, the big chair, big rocking chair, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, whatever, right? So I always liked them. And then when I got older, and I remember hearing them on the radio when I was, it was in the 80s, when I was a kid in the 80s, but, it, you know, when I got older, I, I appreciated them more for what what I did hear. But then yeah. when I heard they come a new album, oh, let me check that out. And I was just like, holy cow. It's like solid, solid songwriting and great production and everything about it. It was just, and it, and it was like 17 years, I think, before, since they last released anything. Wow. So, yeah, it just, it just shows no matter what stage you are at, in your music career, you can always put out some new stuff. Yeah, speaking of legacy acts, um, <laughs> we had a couple of uh, a couple of artists uh, pass away in the in the very recent past. Uh, Jeff mm. Beck, um, just a couple of days ago now. Yeah, um, I, I, I was never that familiar with with Jeff Beck, and it, it wasn't until we started doing this podcast, honestly, and 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 uh, I started going to the meetup group and things like that. People started talking about Jeff Beck as this as this artist and and for the i'll admit for the first while i thought people were talking about beck the artist beck <laughs> and i didn't know who this guy jeff beck was and then i finally later on i found out that he was a world-renowned guitarist and and you know yardbirds which i never never really came onto my radar um a little bit before my time i think and uh mm. yeah but um i don't know but you, you you must be more familiar with him being a guitar guy too um a little bit i was um I kind of quickly grew out of the sort of guitar god uh, thing fairly early <laughs> um, as a teenager and uh, kind of got into weird European um, <laughs> art rock, which, of course, you know, made me very popular in, in high school. As, oh, as yeah, the girls to love you. <laughs> oh, definitely. I was just, uh, some of them even looked at me and that was that was pretty special at the time. <laughs> weird is what they <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Jeff Beck was certainly a master of the instrument and really pushed it in lots of different ways. You know, and never let it go to his head. He always seemed to be kind of, um, you know, a very straightforward, together musician. And, um, you know, a lot of people from that world, you know, overdosed or, you know, burnt out. And he managed to, be, like he's been playing up till very recently, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched the um, Rick Beato on YouTube. Um, got one of his buddies, Tim Tim Pierce, something like that, mm-hmm. on uh, on on his. And they did, they did a live 
uh, a live episode um, just the other day, yesterday, um, and it was like 20 minutes long, but they were just talking about him and, and how, yeah, how they recently saw him in concert and, and, and Rick Beato had met him a couple of times. And, and yeah, it was just that, that he, that he kind of, he, the, the thing that occurred to me just listening to that is that he, and maybe that's why I never heard of him or I never wasn't really familiar with him was because he was very much a musician's musician. Like, he, yeah, he, he wasn't, he wasn't the kind of guy that they, they, they were even saying he wasn't, he didn't. He had the Yardbirds at the time, but once once the Yardbirds, he was no longer with the Yardbirds. He kind of went on his own thing. He wasn't like the Edge who had U two. He wasn't, yeah. like, you know, uh, uh, Slasher Page who had Led Zeppelin to lean on, Zeppelin, yeah. <laughs> as, as, as such, right? You know, so Slasher really Guns N' Roses, or yeah, yeah, Slasher Guns N' Roses, whatever, right? So he didn't really have that kind of wasn't associated with a band necessarily but but what that enabled him to do was to explore all these different areas like he played jazz yeah. he played rock he played folk he he did all these interesting experimental experimental different different things um a little bit like um it reminds me of Stuart Copeland how he once the police um disbanded Stuart Copeland kind of went off and did you know film and jazz and like all of these different <laughs> sorts of sorts of that's true avenues because he really just charted his own his own path which is which is very commendable you know that's a, that's kind of an amazing thing yeah yeah no and i don't think he like he never chased he never chased fame he just kind of did what he did and i always respect people who do that because it's uh there's so like i've met so many people who desperately want to be famous and he just wanted to play guitar and i think mm-hmm. that is so great as opposed to some people who just want to be famous yeah, yeah. And and especially to have that level of skill with the instrument. Like I feel like we don't really see that anymore, at least not in at least not in mainstream popular culture. They're they're out there, I'm certain. <laughs> yeah, well of <laughs> course I don't think today's not... music is very well certainly today's music is not very guitar driven. Mm-hmm. Um now maybe at some point it will be again as people as kids grow up and don't want to play the music that their uh parents played. So mm-hmm. maybe all the you know, people who, who grew up listening to Kanye West and stuff like that, you know, their kids are going to be listening to, you know, wanting to do something. Maybe it'll be more guitar driven and more, you know, musician, yeah. musician wise. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really not a not as f- much in the forefront as it was before. No, no, certainly, certainly not. Like you say, that whole guitar god thing from that's that's kind of a generation ago at this point now. <laughs> you think of many. Guitar gods from a recent, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, all my favorite guitarists are all weird guys, like Mark Moreland from Wall of Voodoo, who passed away, mm. and, of course, guitarist from the B-52s, who has passed away. So um, mm-hmm. it's kind of dragon. And I'm talking about people who have passed away is one of my heroes, which is um, Terry Hall. Uh, of course, mm. he was the lead singer for the specials, and of course, the specials were one of the first um, sort of integrated um, ska bands in the UK, uh, 1977 mm-hmm. um, period. And mm-hmm. um, of course, there was a lot of racial tensions um, and a lot of uh, riots in the UK mm-hmm. at the time. So the fact that they were uh, an integrated band was a big deal. And um, a great, um, I loved his delivery. He wasn't like a, um, you know, a crooner uh, for, as a vocalist. Mm-hmm. He had a real distinctive style and sounded very British. And of course, he was in Fun, Bo- Fun Boy 3 and The Color Field. Um, had a bunch of hits. 
And um, he actually had a brief history with one of the Go-Go's. And uh, his letter that he wrote to them, to his girlfriend at the time in the Go-Go's, um, came out to be um, Our Lips Are Sealed, which is one of my favorite yeah. um, Go-Go's uh, songs. Of course, we had... Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great Go-Go song. <laughs> yes. And we had Catherine Ballantyne on the Go-Go's back um, a little while ago. And... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was very surprised because uh, he wasn't terribly he wasn't terribly old, and they were about to go on another tour. But he had some stomach oh, yeah, really, he had really, some stomach okay. issues, and uh, then he found out that he had stomach cancer. Oh, oh, uh, pancreatic uh, pancreatic cancer, and mm. um, oh, pancreatic cancer. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, because he just sort of thought he had. Uh, um, they were about to go on tour, and he said, "Oh, we'll have to." Put it off for a week. I've got something wrong with my stomach. And um, mm. then the next time he was in the hospital and it went down very quickly. So, wow. yeah, um, very much a drag. I mean, I really love the specials and uh, Fun Boy 3 and his whole approach. Mm. And um, it's uh, it's a drag when your heroes that you grew up with uh, start passing away. But I guess this... Yeah, yeah. I have heard that people do pass away in ranges. Like people... A bunch of people will pass away in their fifties, and then and then their seventies and their nineties. There's sort of these periods where people tend to. Uh, mm. So make sure you, make sure you get a lot of exercise out there and eat properly because. That's right. Eat well, kids, and get That's your true. And get your steps in. And you have to. And you, you have to finish off those songs. Yes, exactly. Well, things you want to do before you before your time is up. Yes, um, yes. Make sure you finish all, all that that catalog of songs you have, Phil. You've never finished. <laughs> I <laughs> should live forever. <laughs> oh, geez. And speaking about things that last a long time, you were you you were talking about um, it's something you mentioned on the show a number of times is the lengths of songs. What, what what's your latest thought on that? Well, yeah, because I'm always, you know, I think it's it's an interesting thing when you get into songwriting the way the way we do and the way our listeners do in terms of it, not just something that you do, but it's craft and it's it's something that you consider and you intellectualize and you think about and analyze up the wazoo that sometimes we can kind of get into it too much. And I've been very worried about song lengths because, of course, song lengths have been getting shorter because of TikTok and so on. But over the holidays, um, we've been watching a movie. We watch a movie every year. And there's a bunch of holidays movies we watch every year. One of them is, uh, for me, is uh, The Christmas Story because I I really enjoyed that. And another one is uh, that Heather really enjoyed is Love Actually. And the first time I saw it, I didn't like it. It seemed to have, it seemed to be about, as far as I could tell, 30 or 40 different people and 30 and 40 different stories. And it mm. was just kind of like, uh, I don't know. Mm. But she enjoys it and she watched it. But then I noticed when we watched it the next year, is I actually liked it a little bit. And every year that we've watched it, I've liked it a little more. And I was sort of thinking, that's kind of odd because there's not a lot of things mm. I like to watch over and over again. But then I realized if you're going to watch mm. a movie once, having the story of like one couple or maybe two at the max is really enjoyable because mm. you can follow it and you get into it. With when you watch something the first time, and I think there's four couples, um, the stories that are involved in this, maybe five, I don't know. 
it's too much and you can't like you can't like you don't really know anyone so it just kind of washes out washes over you but every time you see it you become a little bit more familiar with all these players in this um story so you can sort of get all these subtleties that you wouldn't normally get off of watching it the first time and then i was thinking about you know song lengths and you know there's lots of songs that i listen to and they're you know, three three minutes long, but maybe having a longer work makes it much more interesting on repeated listenings mm. because it has more stuff in it as opposed to something that's just kind of here and gone. Um, like some of the stuff in the seventies was quite you know quite long. You know, the Fleetwood Mac stuff could be you know a bit on the lengthy side. Supertramp stuff was often very long. And you actually played played me this one song called "Under Pressure," uh, under the pressure, I think. Yeah, under the pressure. Uh, from a band called um, The War on Drugs, which was released in 2014, and it is eight minutes and 52 seconds. And it's yeah. a really interesting song, and it has lots of stuff to listen to, and I can understand. Yeah, like it takes you on a journey. So you know, maybe we yeah. shouldn't worry about the length of the songs and. To just make sure that the songs are not boring if you're going to do something long. And their song is not boring because they have lots of stuff in that song. I wonder how yeah, they actually wrote it because it sounds like it's almost a jam. But Yeah, it kind of feels like a jam. It, it, it's, it, but it, here's the other difference, too, is that the long songs in the 70s, they had, especially with, with progressive rock and stuff like that, that, that Supertramp started out as um mm-hmm. eventually ended up more more in pop and same thing with genesis quite frankly they ended up in pop but when they started out you know things were like multiple different sections so the seven minute mm-hmm. song even even something like stairway to heaven or bohemian rhapsody those yeah. are songs that have multiple they're, they're like a, it's like a mini suite of stuff in a classical sense right it's mm-hmm. it's it's different it's varying different sections this under the under the under the pressure song is essentially the same sort of mood and same sort of uh, part the whole way through it's just it's mm. the building up of layers and introducing different melodies and and vocal coming in and vocal coming out and instrumental bits and and it's really um it's really an arrangement thing like you could you could do a three and a half minute version of 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 this song and um you'll you'll lose some richness from the extended version for sure but in terms of content you're not really going to miss anything if you know what i mean like it could yeah. it could work whereas if you did a 3 minute edit of stairway to heaven you'd have a much harder time trying to pick what 3 minutes are going to go in there that is true you know you know you know what i mean um but but i i, I think you're absolutely right you don't have to worry about it so much anymore you know, the, the only thing is the, the the skip factor on 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 notably Spotify, but all the streaming services. You know, that it doesn't doesn't count as a play unless it's if it's skipped within the first thirty seconds. So people want to get their hooks and things, and people ingrained right away. And this, you know, like this song takes a minute and a half before the vocal comes in. You know, and it's just a yeah. buildup of tone and pe- texture for a long time. I don't know how popular it was. I, I, I found it just because I found it on Spotify. However, people find things on Spotify. But um, the, the other thing, the other thing to consider too is is the role of technology in in all of this, right? Because like when when records first came out, recordings had to be a certain length, especially if you wanted to get a number of songs on an LP. You know, you you were limited to to 45 minutes or 22 minutes aside 
And, you know, so they had to be a certain kind of length, you know, mm. to, to sort of fit within, within, that, within that structure or whatever. And then, and then the same thing with when CDs. When CDs came along, people started doing 80-minute albums. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like and they shouldn't 15, have. 15 songs on them. And some of them were good, and a lot of them was just a lot of filler, right? Yeah. But, but now, now we're in the world of streaming and I, I don't know. Does it, like if you're uploading to Spotify, does do they put a they put a cap on how long your track it can be hmm. at all? No idea. I I don't know. If you tried uploading a track that's six hours long, could you could you get away with it? Um, hmm. You know, you, YouTube certainly you can you can upload you know hours worth of a video. If that's one song, then that's one song. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true, isn't it? Right. There's, there, there's, ostensibly, there's no there's no limit now to to the length of a song from a technological yeah. media standpoint, unless you're planning on releasing on CD or vinyl, mm. you know, if you're just releasing electronically on streaming, it, it don't really matter. And if you have people, you know, that are going to listen to your music, no longer how, how long it takes to build up. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talk about this on podcasts all the time. We, we appreciate it when songwriters come in and actually sort of let the song steep and let, you know, let it, let it evolve and let it take its time a little bit. Yeah. And sometimes that ends up being a four minute, five minute song where you, sure, you could have done it in two and a half, but, you know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes the narrative calls for that. And sometimes the song wants that and, and you want to be able to, to take your time with it. So I don't know. I, 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 I'll be honest. I don't, I don't think about it too much, although I do find that I am writing shorter songs than, than maybe I used to. Um, I think mostly because I tend to write lyric first, where before I used to write music first, and music I can kind of go on meander mm. a lot. But lyric, I tend to want to, I write it and then I want to get through it fast. <laughs> so <laughs> the song ends up, the song ends up pretty short. Like the holiday song I was talking about at the top of this episode, I wrote three haiku poems because my my, <gasps> my my wife Emma had told me I was talking I was talking to her before before the holidays about how I haven't written a holiday song in two years now, and I used to write one every year. And uh, and she said, "Well, you used to you used to sometimes before that you were putting like a, a holiday haiku on Facebook. You just wrote a little, it wrote a little haiku poem and put hmm. it on Facebook." And I'm like, "I'm like, you could just do a few haikus." I'm like, "Yeah, it's not a bad idea." So I had this idea, and then I wrote three little haiku poems. So the whole song, including long instrumental bits to this piece, ended up being two and a half minutes. <laughs> wow! Right, and it's three verses. Yeah essentially so i don't know and and but even then i feel like it's i don't feel like it's too short i feel like it's wanting more you know more and, development and there's and a so dif- and there's a difference because there are a lot of two and a half minute songs that are spectacular no and, that's and they true pack a lot oh, yeah. of, they pack a lot of stuff into two and a half minutes and you're in and you're out and it's like and it's like brilliant it's just a burst of energy and sometimes the song wants that too yeah you know, so I just think, you know, think, you know, for, for anyone out there who's, who's contemplating what the length of my song is, just let it, let, let it be what the song wants. Don't, don't, hopefully, you know, nothing else can, can really dictate it other than that. Also, maybe be realistic about the fact it's like, you know, your stuff, you know, whether or not your song really will have a chance to, you know, be on TikTok and be discovered. I mean, a good chance it won't be. So, you know, don't. I mean, I write so short songs just because that's all I've always written those kinds. Like, I've always written within a fairly consistent kind of approach because it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, I've always been in bands and we always kind of did stuff. And, but yeah, maybe it's something I need to kind of relax. I mean, the Under Pressure is very, it's a wonderful song, um, or Under the Pressure. 
it's a wonderful song, but I'm thinking that would be a hard thing to do on your own. Like you'd really yeah. have to compose it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You really have to take your time and arrange it properly and do all the, give that attention to detail for the whole sustained <laughs> nine minutes. Yeah. Was that the one I sent you, Cold, Cold Little Heart by Michael uh, Kuwanaka, um, mm. which is another great song. And this one was released in 2016, so not, not that long ago. And again, it's a nine-minute song, and, and it's and again, it's the same. It's the same thing all the way through in terms of like not necessarily the same chord progression, but it's the same no. mood. It's not. It's not a multi-suite, yeah. multi, you know, thing. It's just a build-up, mm. a gradual build-up. And there, there, there is kind of a two-thirds. The first third is is slightly different. It's, it's very instrumental. It's almost instrumental at the beginning, and then the vocal comes in, and it is a slightly different thing, but it's very tightly related. Um, hmm. So it's it, it is it is almost like it's an intro and then and then the song proper. But even then, the whole thing is nine minutes long. So the song proper is still, you know, six and a half minutes. <laughs> wow! And, and it's and it's a great That's song. A it's a great song. I really enjoyed listening yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, it is a good way through. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, I'd love to hear what our listeners think about uh, song lengths and if they even worry about it. Maybe it's maybe this is just my 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 thing, you know. Yeah, no, I think I think it's it's, I mean, it's a question that's come up for me too. You know, I expect something when I start, especially when I start a project, I expect it to be long or short, and then it ends up being the opposite, and I'm surprised. And yeah. is that the right thing? And was it what I wanted, or was it is it just what the song wanted? And I have yeah. <laughs> all those sorts of thoughts that go through your head, right? And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I tend to I, hopefully I tend to just you know put what I need to put into a song, and once I'm done, I'm done. And yeah, who cares how long it is? Yeah, that so, is true. So the, the, other, the other thing I've been seeing, I've seen this a couple of times on, on the social media. Someone in, in the Facebook group uh, mentioned something about musical math. Have you ever heard this term before, musical math? Well, I know math is, well, music is very math, 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 mathematical, but mm -hmm. uh, that's about all I know. <laughs> mathematical? Yeah, but it, as, as, a, as a term in, 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 in and of itself, I feel like I'd seen it a couple of times on socials and, and kind of started wondering what that what that meant. So I actually Googled it today. Let's just Google musical math. And there's not, it doesn't seem to be an actual thing in terms of like an actual, you know, discipline or a way of thinking about something or rather. But it's it's just, you know, there there was there was one web page from a from like a university that that I found that really talked about how especially in terms of rhythm you can you know there's there's whole notes four beats and quarter notes and half notes and quarter mm. and 16th notes and and those are all fractions and those are you know there's there's very much math in in rhythm in terms of counting and dividing up space and and all that mm. sort of stuff um but the thing that surprised me there was that they didn't talk about how you can also divide pitch into a mathematical oh. view. And when I hit the Wikipedia page about music and they don't call it musical math, they just call it music and and math. Um, or music and mathematics. They have they have a wiki, a wiki page on it. And and you know, leave it to Wikipedia, they actually go a lot deeper than you'd ever want to go <laughs> because <laughs> they start talking about axiomic functions and um, elements of mm. sound and, and time and meter. They do talk about rhythm. They talk about frequency and harmony. And they even talk about how, 
how like there's just intonation, the math behind just intonation, which is very pure. And then oh, right. the temperament gets a little imperfect, but there is math behind that too. And they, and they go into that and I, I totally didn't, it went right over my head and they start talking about the math <laughs> and that thing. I was like, okay, this is, I have to talk to my, uh, have to talk to a mathematician friend or, or my brother who's very mathematically minded <laughs> see what he thinks of it. Um, but, uh, you know, but, I I, I, I I was saying this to the person that posted this on, on one of the Facebook groups. I was having a conversation with her. It was actually a, a music teacher and talking about how students are are almost afraid to look at music as math. They want to see it as yes. a really creative, yeah. intuitive intuitive thing. And, and I said to her, yeah, like I, I co-host this songwriting podcast and often we get guests who are very conscious about the decisions they're making in their songwriting, very cerebral and, and almost mathematical. Like Matt Zaddy, for example, he, very, oh, he yeah. knows the math. Oh, he does. Oh, that's for <laughs> sure. I don't know if talking about secondary dominance and, yeah. and all, all this sort of stuff. He knows the math behind it. And, um, and you know, but at the same time, none, none, of, none of the guests we've had on the show are, are, are a slave to the math. They, they don't forget yeah. about yeah. The, the art, the artistic, cultural Yeah you know, impact and lyrics and, and, and poetry and, and all those sorts of softer things. So it's sort of like, like I, I said to this person, it's it's sort of like you can see the human body in the same way. Sure, it can be reduced to all chemical interactions that make up the entirety of your person, but that doesn't address consciousness or creativity or or the weirdness yeah, <laughs> in, that's true, yeah. that, that emerges yeah. from those chemical reactions. Like we can have all this math and then reduce music to math, but what does it mean when you put these two frequencies together? What does it mean oh, when yeah. you put those two frequencies together and you get, you know, like, 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 like when you math, you can talk about the frequencies and things like that, but then you talk about consonance and dissonance, but consonance and dissonance depends on who you're asking. Hmm, that's true. Right. You, 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 you ask, a, you, you ask Philip Glass and his definition of consonance, Philip, Philip Glass, that's the right name? Yeah. <laughs> the atonal guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and his, his definition of consonance, I'm certain is very different than my definition of consonance and dissonance as well. Right. So mm -hmm. there it gets a little bit, it gets a little bit blurrier and not as oh, rigid as math. So, and, and this, this is one thing actually that I've been, my, 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 I mentioned my brother a minute ago, my, my older brother, uh, never been a musician. I mentioned him on the show before, and he recently tried to pick up guitar, and he, he wasn't really succeeding in guitar. So now he's 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 given up guitar, but he's tried piano, and he's taking piano lessons. And he's he keeps asking me these questions because he's very much uh, a left brain kind of guy and wants to understand the entirety of the system of music. Oh, right. And, right. and I tried to explain to him, like he was, he was like, why is the why white keys fine, but that seems arbitrary. Like why is the why is the major scale a major scale? And I'm trying to explain it to him. And and I keep telling him that there is there is, you know, natural tendencies of harmonics and all this sort of stuff behind mm. it all. But at a certain point we decided that equal temperament is the way to go because it allows us to be more creative. And, hmm. and and it allows us to inject our art into it. So and and that's a cultural decision. That's not that's a mathematical, true. natural thing. It's it's very much a human construct. And you know, and the Western and like, human construct. It's got to still be something behind it. And I'm like, well, that, that that's it. It's it, it. That's the amazing thing about music is yeah. that it is the intersection yeah. between math and science and art and and 
and and uh, culture and politics. Yeah, and it's true. All those all, all those different spheres. Like it, it, it's a con- it's a congruence of all those things. It's not just math, and it's not just poetry either. That's true. <laughs> it's, it's both. It's it's one of the few um, one of the few artworks that exists solely in time because without time it mm-hmm. doesn't really exist. Yeah, dance maybe is the other one. Yeah, I mean, it's really the uh, persistence of memory that makes a, a melody because, mm-hmm. you know, it's you remember the melody, like a melody is you remembering what came before and expecting what comes next. And of course, and when it's is different, that little sort of delight is like, oh, isn't that neat? Or, Jewel, that's terrible. Yeah. It sounds like jazz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or or like we were talking about earlier, like nostalgia, like it yes. harkens back to something you heard years ago. Yeah. And that's still embedded in your memory. You know, I was talking yeah. to someone about this the other day about about music tastes over the decades and stuff like that. And it's like, I'm pretty sure it's scientifically proven that whatever you fell in love with when you were 12 years old, that's it. Yeah. It is stamped in your brain for the rest of your life. Oh, it's true. And you can like other stuff, but you will never like anything in the future quite the, to the same degree and to the same way that you liked it they liked the stuff that when you were 12 and you were yeah that's true it's <laughs> like the first time it's you know it kind of gets into your brain that way now there is yeah. a certain kind of metal called it's called math metal or oh yeah something like that and it's like very like it's, it's just it's, like it's yeah i mean it's very tight the people who play it are very good musicians and it's oh absolutely because i mean you, it's you can't play this music drunk or on any kind of anything other than possibly caffeine um because it's very precise but it's <laughs> red bull more like. yeah. but i mean it's it's not my cup of tea but i certainly respect the people who uh the people mm-hmm. who play it, but um, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of precision and a lot of it's yeah, it's kind of insane. yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I listen to it very much, but the what I've heard is like, holy cow, is this actually real or just a computer? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty. Uh, it's a very admirable thing to spend your time, but um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's certainly there's um, uh, lots of books on math and music and how it all, all the various frequencies sort of work together. And it's it's certainly an interesting read. Um, yeah. It'll help you understand the musical system. I don't know if it'll make you a better songwriter, but, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's helpful to understand these things. I and mean, at least they, they simmer in your brain a little bit. There's that, there's that video I keep going back to, the Andrew Wong uh, YouTube video, where he explains harmonics. And, and and how and how harmonics lead to the major scale yeah. <laughs> and everything you know music and just unravels this whole thing. It's like a it's like a twelve minute video and he just he does a brilliant job of explaining it all with with like real you know, he plays a bass and explains the frequencies going on and everything and that really ties it, it ties all this yeah. stuff together and um, and he even talks about that moment that, that that pivot between the science part of it and the cultural part of it. Yeah, that is a great video. Of course, there's lots of great videos that are available on these kind of topics, and we'll link to those in the uh, soul in the soul show in the show notes. Yeah, including ones on modes. Lots of videos on modes. <laughs> oh yes, yes, it's coming up. So people will read up onto those modi things. Not just the old modi. Yeah, yeah, not just not just my modi, but um, all the modis. You actually should do songs just completely in modes, like everything is a mode. Is, yeah, all the modi songs. Because you're because you're Neil Modi. Exactly. You think I would know all about modes? Why didn't I think of that before? You should. <laughs> Believe me, I've thought of that before. <laughs> <laughs>
That's your that's your shtick. That's my shtick. I'm sure that'll that'll go over really well. Everyone will notice that they're all in mode. Of course. <laughs> I guess I know I've done it by accident many times. I'm sure. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I think I hear the band. I think that is the band. That's about all the time we have. Um, it's on Talk Radio. So Happy New Year, everybody. It's been a, a nice way to start out the happy year. Happy New Year. And uh, we want to hear from you. So please send us your comments, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at songtalkradio. Or send us an email, feedback at songtalk.ca. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel for live performance videos and full episodes. Subscribe today to the Song Talk Radio podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And uh, again, find links to all the products, books, and web services we mentioned on our resources page on the website. And don't forget to check out the uh, show posts for this episode for a bunch of links. And uh, wherever you are in the world, please join us via Zoom at our next monthly Song Talk Meetup. It's free to join on meetup.com and free to attend. Bring a song and a lyric sheet and get constructive feedback from other songwriters. Stop by songtalk.ca for the link. You can follow me at neilmodi.com. You can follow Phil at philemory.ca. Great. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to stop by the website, songtalk.ca, to browse past shows, find out how you can be a guest. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and keep on writing. See you next week.